Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Glad to have you with us. I'm Cassidy, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Dip. Hey, guys. This week, we are revisiting Pixar and, of course, talking about one of their greatest uh, 2015's Inside Out, which I think we've, like, I want to say, because I, I don't remember too much about, like, discourse around it, but I feel like it was a for an animated movie. It actually generated quite a lot of discourse. And, it um, did! You are absolutely right, because I think it was one of the first movies. It was a very unique movie for its time, I'd say. And we'll talk about why that is. Uh, Because the trailers were kind of vague about what this was all about. But (laughs) the movie is absolutely fantastic. Um, And we'll talk about why that is, too. Because, again, it all I can say for now is that it was the first of its kind. Um, actually, probably a very unique concept for a movie. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it definitely was, I think, like you said, unlike anything Pixar had ever done before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think animated movies in general yeah. don't think there was anything quite like Inside Out or really has been um, since Inside Out came out. No, I haven't seen many... Again, Soul is kind of introspective like that, but not not like that exactly. But, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's it's a very unique concept, and I think, personally, I thought it was very well done. Yeah. It was, like, a very, like, moving premise, and it was very... uh, I don't know, like, unique is just the adjective I keep using to describe it. <laughs> it was very unique, it was very interesting and refreshing. I think not that Pixar has ever really been stale or has gotten, you know, repetitive with their ideas, but um, in all the different things they've done, it, this is, like, just very different. And Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just very, <laughs> a very, like, interesting uh sort of project to undertake so it was I think I was surprised that they had even made the movie to be honest no I felt very different than like like plot wise it felt different than like anything Pixar had done before I absolutely agree because like let's talk about what this movie is all about because it's about a 12 year old kid uh Riley and it and it's not as simple as it seems because what we navigate is her emotions and how she deals with her life and milestones that come her way and everything <laughs> that comes with being a 12-year-old kid and growing up um so let's talk about that and how the movie begins because the first line is do you ever look at someone and wonder what is going on inside their head? Um, that's an interesting question. I think we all wonder at some point. Um, what do you think of that? I'd like let's talk about that because that's where all of this starts. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, it's definitely something everybody thinks about. It's, mm-hmm. um, I think, also a reason why a lot of people. I would hope, uh, and, and I'm sure a lot of people do, um, kind of when you encounter somebody you don't know, or even somebody you do know, you you know, I think a lot of people in general are just kind of careful not to 
you know, be too reactive in any mm. situation is because you never know what anybody else is going through. And yeah. so um, I think, you know, most people kind of approach most situations like that. But I think this movie does also start with like a really interesting question. Like, I mean, yeah, we all wonder what is going through anybody's head at any given point, right? And unfortunately, mm. or maybe fortunately, we don't know <laughs> all the no. time. But um, I think this movie kind of presents that in like a very interesting way like we don't know but like imagine that there's all these like little cute little people running around your head controlling your different emotions and like yes and I wanted to talk about that because I love how this movie articulates that it's not it's not it's so emotions are in are kind of an abstract concept right because Mm -hmm. it's like and it's very subjective too um so I like how they articulated the mindscape in this movie, right? You because you you feel these emotions, these emotions have a console through which they control your actions. They and everything you see throughout the day becomes a memory and some of them go to long term which which is stuff that you remember for a long time to come and some of them are like and eh, not very important we can let these go at this point kind of deal so <laughs> i love how they designed that right and you also have headquarters where the console is and where these emotions are where your control center is and and I I also like the concept of core memories, like the the memories that define you as a person and build your personality. Let's talk about that. What did you think of that? Because I love that concept. What did you think? Yeah, I loved it too. It's very interesting not to overuse the word, but I think like that was the really cool thing about this movie yeah. that it was a concept that hadn't really been done. Mm-hmm. And um, also, I think it it, it has been. And I think it was at, like at its release, like a really interesting way to kind of frame the narrative around, you know, changes in personality in terms of like, you know, your your mental health status and stuff, because um, that's a really difficult subject to broach, especially when you yes. consider like little kids and like maybe especially like when they're really young, they may not have the vocabulary or like the ability to articulate, you know, what they're feeling. And, yes. Right. And, and so I think like, you know, that's always difficult. And also unfortunately there always kind of has been a stigma around that and I think we're slowly getting better um there's of course room for improvement but I think or I'd like to think that we're getting there but I think this movie kind of at least if not maybe you know helping adults maybe hopefully at least it like helps kids just kind of you know work through or like everybody connect yeah with like Riley and and um dealing with emotions i guess yeah yeah like processing (laughs) processing Um, is correct yes yeah but um i i i too love the mindscape i I just thought it was a very creative way to kind of bring this to life and it is kind of like a heavy subject in in some sense um so you know i i think the way they brought everything to life and having you know all these cute little characters represent different emotions and having like this really cool kind of world exist within Riley's mind I thought was just uh, this is amazing so, so creative yeah it was so cool and also like I remember and this might be like me being like super weird but um 
I remember being like a little kid and thinking like there's a computer in my brain and there's like a little tiny person operating the computer in my brain and that's what controls me <laughs> so it's like I don't know watching that I was like did somebody like <laughs> yeah yeah because it's, it's vaguely similar to this movie but <laughs> <laughs> this movie also came out well after I was a little kid but no um, I get I it I just watched it I just thought it was really funny <laughs> no it was really cool um but that's how the movie begins because I think I love how in the beginning of the movie they lay the groundwork out for these emotions and how they help Riley deal with everyday life since she was a little baby um and now she's 12 and she she has different facets of her personality like she's honest and forthcoming she she's goofy she loves spending time with her family she's a good hockey player she values friendship these are her core memories these are and core and these core traits of personality form islands in her mind which is again super cool concept let's say it's really cool um but then let I also love how they throw a wrench in everything that's going good for Riley by saying, hey, we're moving, right? Because moving, let's talk about that, right? Because <laughs> it's stressful. It's stressful it as is. hell, uprooting your life and, uh, and moving away from everything you know. Mm-hmm. to something yeah, especially, new yeah go ahead yeah i think especially like when you're that young and it's such a like drastic move in her case like yes. her family moved from minnesota to california san francisco yeah exactly yeah. yeah that's that's move and a half um it's you know you're crossing multiple states um you're kind of going from like you know one region of the country to to the other and so mm-hmm. it's never easy and also you know to to change school districts to leave your friends behind that like that's it's so hard and so I have so much empathy for kids who like transfer like in the middle of the year um, I'm sure it must be like very very difficult and I've only moved once in my life <laughs> um, I don't know if this was intentional or not but I was very young when I moved and mm-hmm. I moved in the summer so I was between school years so mm-hmm. when I started at the new school year I was like yes it was a new kid but I was also you know everybody was new because <laughs> it's like the first day of school so you know you're still meeting people in class and and, and all of that so um that I think for me made it a little bit easier but I mean in Riley's case like she didn't even have the option to like go visit her friend because it's not you know it's not a drive that she can yeah in one yes. day it, yeah. it takes time so definitely um, yeah it, it's I think it's easy to see why she may have you know outside of other things which we'll get to in a minute um it's it's Mm -hmm. kind of easy to see why she may have like struggled with them like move and coping and and all of that because everything that she's known and loved has been in minnesota and now like you said her family's uprooted and they moved to san francisco which is yes uh hundreds of miles away yeah it's a complete like lifestyle change almost I definitely agree. But let's also talk about the fact that, see, when adults move, they're making a conscious choice, right? And (laughs) I don't think, and I wouldn't, it's not fair to say that they don't take into account how their kid is feeling about the move. I'm sure they do, but it's kind of like, 
hey, you're my kid. You're going to come with me. I'm providing for you. So I'm moving. I'm uprooting our lives so we can go somewhere else to do better. Regardless, I wouldn't say regardless of how you feel about it. I'm sure there were, there was a whole weighing of pros and cons situation. But it's always difficult for kids to process that and say, Everything was great back where we were. Why are you leaving everything we know? Why am I supposed to leave everything I know just because you wanted a change kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? So I think that is another factor um, of, of uh, for what Riley's going through in this movie. But let's talk about how she starts out. She starts out pretty positive. She's She's optimistic in general, right? But mm -hmm. as things progress, she kind of sees or feels like there's very less things to be optimistic about. Um, and let's, uh, I, I also want to talk about how the emotions are grappling with this huge change as well. Because they see what Riley sees, they're processing what Riley's processing, and then they're trying to react accordingly. Mm -hmm. Um... And it is, uh, we have, it is uh, useful to mention that um, there is a primary emotion uh, that controls every person's actions and every person uh, person's actions in this movie. And Riley's primary emotion seem, seems to be joy for the most part. She's the one who usually takes the wheel, right? Mm -hmm. Um... But now she's finding it hard to deal, grapple with the other emotions who are overwhelmingly, you know, showing her that there's nothing to be joyful about in this situation in the move. So let's talk about all of that and how that's depicted, because I think they did a good job of that in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, at the beginning, Riley seemed kind of optimistic about the mood um I think a lot of kids kind of were like that I guess or I know at least in my case when I moved um it, I was like in this weird space of like I was I was never very good with change so I was like I don't want to leave the old house but also the the new place we moved into is a lot bigger and mm. you know there was so much more to like see in the new place and like mm. um yeah I the first time you know we walked into the finished house I was like this is so cool we had a basement which we've never had before and like ah. all this area for me to like run around and play I was like imagining like a playroom and this and that and it was great but I was also like I love the old apartment I don't want to leave it Aww. so I feel like some of that I kind of saw a little bit of that in Riley mm -hmm. um, but also I think Riley um, was older than I was when she had to move so obviously mm -hmm. she's you know made more friends and she's experienced a lot more like, in, in Minnesota yeah. and then like yes. all of that so um, I can understand why she didn't want to move but again like she was kind of optimistic about everything in the early stages of the move but then you do kind of see like internally of course the other emotions kind of um I think becoming slightly more pessimistic yes. as time progresses because it's like yes. one thing after another right like first the moving truck doesn't come and then like their furniture is lost and it's going to be delayed and it's like the, yeah. the house also isn't as great as they thought it was going to be or like as great as they like joy it was going to be and um 
her dad's always working and like they literally like come into this new house they barely have their stuff in and then her dad's like sorry i gotta go back to work yeah and, uh so like it's it's all these things kind of stacking up on top of each other <laughs> coupled with you know internally in the memory scape or mindscape whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. uh some of them kind of you know like some of their actions rather than creating havoc um i think everything kind of just reaches a tipping point uh, yeah. at, at a certain point and um unfortunately it kind of I think affects how Riley uh or like it's processing this whole thing yeah yeah Yeah, it (laughs) does um now let's talk about a few things here because again this first day after the uh, after the move didn't go well so now Joy is like fully determined to make uh, Riley's first day of school at the new school uh the best uh, day possible and she's basically let's talk about uh joy's relationship with sadness here because i think um it's interesting how she looks at sadness and what she what sadness represents uh mm-hmm. and what and what she actually learns sadness represents uh towards the end of the movie so let's talk about that at this point yeah, the one thing I always found really interesting is, like, in the beginning of the movie, obviously, you would think, like, I mean, nobody wants sadness around because, mm-hmm. that, like, that's just sadness. You don't want to be sad all the time. But it's also, like, nobody wants to be afraid all the time either, and fear yeah. is allowed to be there. Nobody wants to be yeah. angry all the time, but, like, anger is allowed to be there. So it's, mm-hmm. like, why is it that, like, sadness is the only one that's always purposefully excluded? And I think you kind of do see that, you know, over, like, the opening scenes of the movie, there's a reason because sadness can kind of retroactively change the way certain memories are perceived oh yeah exactly you know joy had like i guess touched and like had her like influence Mm -hmm. can kind of be i don't want to say tainted but like they can be changed and and it can be Mm -hmm. kind of like retroactively affected if that makes any sense yeah um but and even still like i i think obviously most people realize that in order for us to function we kind of need all of those emotions in different quantities at like any given time um and it's not like you can just go through life without any sadness or without any joy or any anger and so it was kind of like frustrating to see everybody sideline sadness so much but one of the things i also love too is like the movie does hint um like at a later scene um that it is possible for like uh, I guess I don't know what you will call them like somebody like sadness in another individual to be like the leader and you see we'll that talk about that mom. yeah exactly <laughs> so, um, yes yeah I just thought that was really cool it was like a little hint I guess or like foreshadowing maybe <laughs> a little bit of foreshadowing uh let's talk about um the creation of a new core memory here which is interesting right so let's talk about uh Riley's first day of school how she's uh, again uh, I again I love how this whole thing is depicted right because um I love how you said that uh sadness can change how a memory can be perceived um because that's exactly what happens here 
um because it's the first she's a she's the new kid the teacher is being kind and she's like hey tell us about where you're from what what what, what tell us about you kind of thing and at first riley's really excited she's like yeah i'm from minnesota this is what i do i love playing hockey and this is what we did every summer and then she suddenly becomes sad and you see in her mindscape that sadness has touched that memory and what once used to be a happy memory now brings her sadness and you have to take into account why and i I don't think anyone takes and i don't think the other emotions take into account why that memory has become a sad one for riley it's because she's thinking of that and she's like, I can't do this anymore because this is not something I get I get to do now kind of thing. And that is a sad thing, but I don't think Riley is articulating that well enough at this point or she doesn't know how to articulate that at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this basically creates a core memory that is sad right and joy cannot have that she's like riley's supposed to be a happy kid she's supposed to be the optimist she's supposed to keep be the happy girl for her parents sadness does not have a place here is her point of view which leads to something crazy happening here she tries to basically get rid of a core memory, of that sad core memory, which she's not mm-hmm. supposed to do. And sadness, trying to um, avoid that from happening, basically shoves both of them accidentally into a memory tube that throws them out into the broader mindscape and out of headquarters. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that because when you don't have joy and sadness, and this is all, again, articulated so well in this movie that (laughs) uh, you kind of see the repercussions of this, is that something doesn't feel normal for Riley, but she doesn't know how to articulate that or work with that. Of, of work with the fact that she's missing those two core feelings that she knows she's supposed to have but something's missing here so let's talk about that and how um again um her uh, different concept of the, of the brain like abstract thought and imaginary friends and um the passage to the passage uh, from the long-term memory lanes to headquarters all those things Let, let's talk about all of that because i think they articulated it really well in this movie so let's talk about that they did yeah i mean it was again not to keep overusing the word it was very interesting no, I, I, I get it though yeah i i think maybe we kind of like think of in a a weird way Mm. but like nobody really like visually so it was very interesting to see but also um let's do a back really quickly just a little bit one of the things i found really interesting was um anytime sadness interacted with a memory it felt very like involuntary like it was just something she couldn't help 
yes she just like did and i love that the movie framed it that way because it's kind of like it's from joy's point of view right like that's how she sees it like sadness just can't help herself that's just what she does she like touches memories that she's not supposed to and Mm -hmm. like that's just how she is and so like all these other emotions kind of i don't want to say they work against sadness but i feel like they They follow joy's lead in in a way do yeah like they do hinder her enough so that she's not just you know really nilly turning memories sad or whatever but um as the movie progresses I think it's really interesting to see like how like our point of view and I guess in turn Joy's point of view um on sadness changes because in the beginning it's very much like I mean I think she says it like I don't have time for this like I don't I can't deal with this right now or like Mm -hmm. you know she's just kind of like that's her mentality like yeah there but you know you can't let her get you down sadness just does whatever she does and you kind of have to work around her and it's like she's there for a reason mm-hmm. but like the, the movies the whole course of the movies really joy kind of realizing that which i thought was really unique yes and, and again interesting <laughs> but no the, the mind i think we're gonna overuse islands. i think we're gonna overuse that term in this podcast in this episode a lot but please continue yeah no I'm sure we will but no I was just gonna say like the the different islands and stuff that was super cool I just yes the mindscape to me just felt like a very whimsical sort of world and it was like you know like the the memory lane like the memory corridor and they're just being like a maze that felt very accurate and yeah. then you know there's all these different islands representing like you know or key parts of Riley's identity personality and, yes um, exactly her personality yeah I just I thought it was just a it's such a clever way to kind of represent everything and then yeah like having her core memories kind of removed temporarily um yeah. you, you do see like you know in, internally causes havoc but externally too like for other people in Riley's life and for Riley herself it is affecting her and you do kind of see that so um again I just thought it was like a very clever way to kind of um depict that on screen basically right yeah. yes absolutely like, like a very like I think emotions and like processing them and like you know the impact of emotions on you know your your well-being and, and all of that is a very complex issue and it is really not one that I would have thought an animated movie would tackle right but I think they did yeah. a really good job and I think they did it in like a very clever way too so um I think it, it really worked out well and and uh, it was very imaginative uh don't yeah. like it was very creative the way they did this I will say that um and yeah, you pointed out that with joy and sadness out of headquarters, they were stranded out there with the um with the core memories, which means Riley's core memories are not in headquarters and she's struggling with that right now. Um <laughs> so let's talk about that and how they depicted uh these islands going down. Um uh one by one and how they meet bing bong because i love how they show the concept of imaginary friends and how when the core memory related to that island is not in headquarters how that affects riley's personality and not being able to engage with that part of her personality anymore and it just doesn't work anymore let's talk about that yeah, I, I, I think it's, like, a good allegory or, like, good symbolism, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, for mm-hmm. um, how 
in in real life kids could potentially react to different situations because I think when you're older and and you're more aware of like you know mental health and mental health resources and all of that it's I don't want to say it's like easier but I think you know you being more aware of it might make it just like a tad easier to seek help or maybe just you know find resources or whatever but when you're still young and you know especially if you're like Riley's age 11 or 12 and you're just kind of you know um just going through life and, and learning and growing and all of that it may not mm-hmm. be as easy um so I just thought it was a, a really kind of clever way for the writers and and you know the the team I guess behind this movie to kind mm-hmm. of um bring that idea up and, and kind of I guess start some discourse on it because I mean really you know mental health is such a complex topic and it's it not is. something in my opinion that should be stigmatized because no. you can't help it sometimes you know like nobody yeah. decides like they're gonna have you know I wanna I wanna um say something that Kristen Bell has been very good at articulating in an interview of hers because she says she and you wouldn't believe it looking at how she is uh, in everyday life I mean looking at her appearance appearances on screen and everything because she she seems to have a very bubbly personality but then what she mentioned is that that takes effort for her to keep Mm -hmm. up that bubbly personality because she struggles with anxiety and depression and what she said and this is a very interesting concept is don't uh, I was lucky because my mom told me about this and she told me that if something if you feel something like this get help get professional help talk to somebody about it it is possible that you may have an imbalance of the required hormones, which will cause you to feel depression and anxiety, which is a which is a real thing. Mm-hmm. She equated that she equated stigmatizing mental health to denying a physically sick person medication, right? Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what that is. Uh, because you're you wouldn't deny someone who's bleeding a bandage you wouldn't you're like oh my god this person's bleeding you have to patch that up so just because you and it's the same with mental health but that that stigma you're absolutely right has unfortunately stuck with us and that's something that we really need to work on you know things are they are better we are getting better at uh you know talking about it and there have been other movies too that talk about mental health and uh not just movies there's so many people advocating for mental health Mm -hmm. and wellness and uh taking care of yourself prioritizing yourself and, and you know talking about your emotions in a way that allows you to set proper boundaries when you need to and all those things but again that stigma still still exists um that's why when someone says i have depression there are some there are still some people who are like then you're just lazy get out of it but rarely do they realize that it's not that simple um right or like even if it's you know I, the thing that I'll always kind of um, 
annoys me is when people are like, well, do something about it. And it's like, it's not, it's not as simple as just like deciding no. I, I don't have this or I don't want this condition. Yeah. It's not, um, like you were saying earlier, it, it's not that easy. Sometimes you require yeah. external help, whether that's in the form of, you know, like a professional or mm-hmm. a therapist, whatever, or like mm-hmm. it could just be medication and, and there's no shame in, in any of that. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that this movie, whether intended to or not, was good at least for starting some sort of discourse and like yes. continuing, you know, existing discourse that had already been going on at the time and that's yeah. hopefully still continuing because yeah, yeah I mean, a lot of this stuff is not anything that should be stigmatized. And Oh, definitely um, not. Yeah, you're absolutely um, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I actually I did not know that about Kristen Bell. That's really interesting. Yeah, she. I, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, she talked about it in an interview, and I was shocked when I saw that because, like I said, when she's on screen, she's like she's always just a, a literal ray of sunshine. Like whenever I see her, but but like that's the yeah. really cool thing, right? That like there's so many people who seem yeah. a certain way, and and they are that way. But it's also like yeah. they're not afraid to admit like they this sometimes seek out help too yeah exactly like, yeah I remember um the one that I thought was really cool was I think like a while ago I think I remember reading I wanted to say like a print interview or something that um mm-hmm. Zendaya did and she mentioned like she has a therapist and I was like that's mm-hmm. really cool like she admitted it and it was like there's like you know no issue and I was like that's it was nice to see that because again I feel yeah. like especially with people like public figures have always you know like more scrutiny and it's like oh my of god like, you have that and she was yeah. like no no no, I recommend it to everybody and I was like that's so cool yeah um, but yeah I mean it, it's just a, it, it's a thing that unfortunately exists um but uh, yeah the stigma around it I just never understood no definitely um, I've never understood it either because especially since I started learning more about this subject and learning more about how many people have struggled with this, right? Because mm-hmm. I think mostly we have failed to articulate that we need boundaries at some point. That's the only reason why the older generation or some people basically say, get out of it. Because I don't think they ever thought of it, thought of mental health as something that they needed to prioritize. And that's a sad thing. I don't think they realize that's a bad thing. Maybe if you had prioritized, you'd be a happier person today. Who knows? You know? But that's for another time that's a can of worms that we don't want to open because that like honestly that that is such a huge can of worms that we will not be able to deal with that in one podcast i'll be honest with you but like you said um this movie did start some good discourse about uh, teaching kids, especially, to deal with emotions. Because I think Disney's good with coming up with merchandise for stuff like this, right? So when they came up with uh, all these plushies, I think kindergarten teachers, they literally got these dolls and uh, got these plushies uh, for their sc- for their kids in school. And they were like, look at these. Tell me how you're feeling and we'll talk about it. See, that helps, mm-hmm. right? Because they identify those things. They identify those plushies. And if they if they want to say, I'm feeling sad, they pick up that plushie and say, this is how I'm feeling. And this is why I'm feeling this way kind of thing. And if you start something like that when they're that young, 
it helps them understand that they're supposed to be talking about this, that they're supposed to articulate this, and they will never get to a point where it becomes overwhelming for them. That's that I think is a good thing at this point. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, like that's the goal, right? To like yeah. make sure that, especially from like a young age, kids feel comfortable having yeah. like to do that, and then doing it too. Um, and I think, like, I mean, not just kids. I think even for oh like people our age who are older, yes, uh, and and who are kind of like I guess like we're on that like weird cusp of like the the older generation had like no real I guess concept yeah. of this and they didn't really like talk about it and like now like the youngest generation like seeing that you know like you were saying like in kindergarten or whatever like they start very early learning about this we're like somewhere in between where it's like we're like youngish <laughs> people are talking about it but like mm. we're not that young either <laughs> yeah um uh, but even for people like us I think like it's helpful just to know that you have like you know the tools you need to maybe articulate that or like there's resources available for you to seek um mm. and you know it, it, things like that and I think even otherwise like even if you don't necessarily have that maybe just having other people aware yeah could be helpful like just yeah. having people in your corner who are like maybe able to recognize that like okay so and so might not be able to articulate this but um maybe this feeling is... this way yes. Or, like yes yeah Someone who can read those signs and basically take you aside and say, hey, are you doing okay? What's going on? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about this. If you're feeling some type of way, let's talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's definitely a fantastic thing. I'm all for it. Um, And I, again, like you said in the beginning of this podcast, you said, I'm glad that this movie started that kind of discourse so that it allowed people to talk about this more and not just kids adults they <laughs> literally were able to start talking about this and kids were able to talk to their uh, parents or the adults in their life about something that was probably bothering them and in a way that everyone understood or that they could articulate which i think is super helpful at any given point because yeah, I think uh, that's the nice thing that this kind of framed everything in a way that made it hopefully more accessible and easier for kids yeah. to like relate to and like you know process themselves and then kind of use in, in their daily lives yeah. um, as they needed to so I would like to think <laughs> that's why this movie was made um, and but achieved like it was like they was made with the intention of achieving that but even if that wasn't the intention if it did achieve any portion of that i think that's really cool it definitely is so now let's also talk about um how uh, i think you mentioned the scene earlier uh where you see um mom and dad's uh, emotions as well because this forms an important scene here right cuz Right, uh, joy and sadness are like out of headquarters with the core memories, and Riley's dealing with a lot. She's had her first and uh, first not so great day at school, and it's really just overwhelming for her. And when her parents ask a simple question, she fails to answer the way she normally would. And let's talk about that and how we see her parents' emotions and how how 
their reaction frames what she feels. So let's talk about all of that. Yeah, I love the way that that scene was presented because it's, um, I think, externally or like from her parents' point of view, if you, you know, ignore the emotions in their head. Being gone, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, It's, you kind of get like that standard, like, oh, she's giving attitude or like she's just going through a phase type thing. And it's like, to an extent, maybe, but it's also like she's only acting like that because, you know, internally, physically, Mm -hmm. two of her emotions are just gone like we yeah. don't have access to them um and and we know you know from an audience point of view that internally it's just fear disgust and anger who have kind of left at riley's console and they're yeah. the ones temporarily calling the shots and so of course she's reacting in ways that she normally no. hasn't reacted in before um but yeah i did love that like just as like a contrast they showed like the emotions in, in her parents mm. and um for her mom sadness was kind of i mean like you know same five emotions are present but like sadness yeah. was kind of like the de facto leader in that group mm-hmm. and it was like the one at the helm of the console yeah um whereas in her dad's it's mom, anger it was uh anger yeah um, but also like a, a more chill type of anger like he was more like yeah. laid back and he was like don't make me do this and then he's like all right i'm putting my yeah. foot down yeah um and, and stuff like that and um it was not quite as, as I think, like explosive. It's not explosive. Anger. Yes. Um, yes. So it was really interesting to like, see the contrast between the three. But also, I thought it, like, you know, having seen the movie um, a couple times, I thought it was really clever, like, on the rewatch, going back and, and seeing that scene with the mom, where, like, in her mm-hmm. mindscape, it's sadness at the helm. Like, that's a really cool bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. Because um, again, like, she has the same five emotions. So does her dad. But it's just a different each one has like a different leader kind of at the helm yeah. of their console yeah um, but they're all still working in harmony and you know i would say her parents are pretty well-rounded people so um, agree you know that there's no lack of like any one particular emotion there's no abundance of um any one particular emotion either yeah i agree with you there i absolutely i definitely agree with you there and um let's again let's talk about now let's uh, juxtapose this with what's going on with riley's emotions here because joy and sadness are trying to find their way back to headquarters with the core memories and there they decide that the easiest way to go back is uh to cross over from one of the islands of personality to headquarters because there's a direct line however unfortunately the islands start going down because riley doesn't know how to that that's not part of her personality anymore and basically she's not feeling that way at this point because of everything that's been going on and she doesn't know how to deal (laughs) with it and it's just breaking down so I love again I love the visual representation of this right because again it's not an easy thing to articulate or put to screen but they did and and that's what I find super interesting that one by one, these islands of personality start going down. One is the whole goofball thing when her dad tries to apologize for, you know, grounding her when he really shouldn't have because she was just mm-hmm. probably going through something and 
grounding her for something like that was a little extreme and he realized that so he came to talk to her so it, it didn't but then she didn't know how to respond to that she was still mad but then that island went down and then when she was trying to talk to her friend her who was supposedly her best friend and her best friend's her best friend starts talking about how she's met this new person and Riley and we don't know what Riley feels but I'm pretty sure she feels like someone's taken her place and that makes friendship island go down too Mm -hmm. um again it's really hard to see right because but again a, a great visual representation but it's hard to see when you watch this happen um let's talk about that a little bit and then let's also talk about bing bong because again i love the concept of bing bong as well let's talk about it yeah i think at least with regard to like the different islands kind of mm -hmm. deteriorating the thing that i kind of appreciated about that is as heartbreaking it is to watch her yeah. kind of lose all these different parts of her personality it yeah. was also i think just um one a good visual representation i think yeah. like you said earlier and then also too just like a good reminder I think that it's just because sometimes especially kids I feel like sometimes you see kids just kind of like lash out or like react to yes. ways. and I think it's a good reminder that it's not always like a conscious thing that they may be doing because like they want to be it's not like they're throwing a temper tantrum maybe because like you know they, they want to like, they or want whatever to. or yeah exactly um, I mean in some cases I'm sure that you yes. know there are kids who do that <laughs> um, yes. I've seen it unfortunately too many times mm -hmm. but also <laughs> sometimes you know some kids go through things or they process things differently and sometimes they feel certain ways and I think like we said earlier they may not have the capability or the tools and or resources to like you know explain and or ask Articulate. for help or like yeah yeah right exactly so um sometimes you know it's just because kids behave a certain way doesn't mean you know they're having an attitude or something it could just be that they're going through something and they haven't been able to ask for help or maybe they're reluctant to ask for help who knows exactly um, so I think like that scene like that dinner table scene where her parents are questioning Riley I thought it was like a good reminder that um like yes in that particular scene she lashed out but we know why she did it because She's got three emotions who have never really been at the helm before. Yeah. All kind of trying to compete and taking turns and it's just kind of messing up everything. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, it's, I think, as bad as it is to have, like, three emotions trying to compete for control, having just one emotion, like, always constantly at the helm we've seen is not also the greatest either. Because, like, as much as, I guess, Riley was, like, a happy-go-lucky sort of kid, Joy there must be bit, something like, over to the top yeah exactly yeah suppressing the bits that were probably even bothering her uh maybe mm -hmm. so we don't know that um but let's also talk about bing bong and the whole train of thought thing and uh the whole dream uh how they how they show dreams uh being made for uh, in a person's mindscape which i found really for a lack of better term interesting <laughs> we're gonna overuse that term in this episode guys deal with that please thank you but yeah let's talk uh, about that no i mean 
it, it it was. I mean, first of all, I love Bing Bong. He's so wholesome. Yes. Um, but also, I love that he cries candy. Like, I don't know. That right? just made me so happy when I saw that. <laughs> and I don't know why. I think it's just, again, it's just like the mindscape and like all these different emotions and like the way everything is built. It's like very um, whimsical and, and creative and, and all of that. And so I love that he cries candy. It just, mm-hmm. um, I want to, I, I don't, I don't want him to be a manager. I want him to be real. I want a friend like that who cries candy. <laughs> like, Wouldn't again, that be nice? Bong. Yeah. yeah. That'd be super cool. Um, But no, that was really like his introduction I thought was uh really interesting because he's like going around like stealing different, like not core memories, but long-term memories. And mm-hmm. you find out he's, he's doing it because he used to be Riley's imaginary friend. And, you know, obviously yeah. at a certain point she kind of, outgrew that but he's just kind of clinging to his promise that like yeah. they we're gonna go to the moon together and he's like i'm gonna yeah. take you to the moon and it's, like, it's so wholesome it's, it's super sweet um but he ends up teaming up with sadness and joy to kind of get them back to headquarters mm-hmm. um and like you said there's the whole uh train of thought mm-hmm. uh bit um i love there's the bit where they go through uh the abstract thought tunnel yeah Chamber. He's like, D A N G E R. Shortcut. Yeah, I'm like, like, Bing Bong. Yeah. Bing Bong, please, no. Don't do that, boy. Um, Um, I love that whole sequence because it was like the way it was animated was really cool. Like, they they did, you know, they went from 3D to like 2D, just simple squiggly lines and then back again. It was interesting. It was, um, yeah. <laughs> but let's also, yeah, also um go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was just gonna say really quickly, I, I love that for dreams it's like a physical production that the different beings in Riley's mind put on. Yeah. I thought that was super clever. Um and a very creative way to put it because sometimes yeah. when you dream things and you that and the reality just... <laughs> alteration filter, which is like what? Yeah. I love it, but god damn it, what? That was pretty cool. I know. Well, they're awesome. definitely like wacky enough i feel like my dreams are wacky enough all the time where it's like all like i've never done and will never do and it's just like how did this get in my brain yeah. <laughs> so if there's like a little army of like beings in your brain it's like broadcasting embarrassing things or random things i feel like that wouldn't be unusual with some of the things i dream <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so let's now I want to talk about that scene with Bing Bong, right? Because Bing Bong and Riley had this rocket. Uh, it was it's powered by song, which is, again, very sweet. Um, but let's talk about um, I love how they show that some memories are just fading away and then are thrown into the dump. And that's how you forget them permanently. Again, beautiful visual representation, guys. It's like all these things that you don't normally think about when you watch this, you're like, huh, that's an interesting way of putting it. Okay, that's cool kind of thing, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's how you see it. You see how how the mind workers basically say yeah Riley it's been forever since she even used this memory she doesn't need to remember this we'll put it in the dump kind of thing and they're fading away and everything which is an interesting concept and that's what happens to Bing Bong and Riley's rocket and 
I love both joy and sadness's response to this, right? Because Bing Bong is sad. It was something that he cherished. And while Joy is like, hey, let's look at the happy stuff. And that doesn't work because he's really sad. But I love mm-hmm. how sadness just sat down with him and was like, I know this is this sucks. It was they took something you loved and that's not okay. I I I wish I I mean, do you want to talk about it? And he does. So let's talk about that because that's what's important being given the tools to articulate how you're feeling to you know not dwell on it and let it become overwhelming and again we've said this so many times in this episode because that but that is important let's talk about that because I think I love how they showcase that too yeah it was very uh not to reuse this word either but it's a very creative way to do that too I think yeah and uh this might be a really dumb analogy but the when I watched it the first time the thing kind of reminded me of is like the the old thing it's like whether it's like a glass half full or a glass half empty yeah it's like you still have a glass and there's still water in it whether mm-hmm. it's half full or half empty it's kind of mm-hmm. it's both right like there's half of it is water half yeah. of it is empty so no agreed mm-hmm. like when you're describing it 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 can be both and so I my brain is weird when I watched it the first time I was mm-hmm. like yeah that's kind of like joy and sadness you need both mm-hmm. and even though if you take away one or like if you ignore one the other is still there so it's like, oh, you know, if you're ignoring dude. The, the water in the glass and just focusing on the half empty, it doesn't mean the water isn't there. Um, so I think like sadness was kind of approaching it like that, where it was like, mm-hmm. she knows that joy is necessary and needed and all of that. But I think she's also like, I'm still relevant too. But joy is yeah. meanwhile, but not, I don't think she did it intentionally or maybe she did, mm-hmm. but I don't think she did it from a place of malice. It was more just like, no. we want to keep Riley happy. So we're just going to, yeah. you know. You stay in your little circle and, and I'll take care of everything. You don't worry about it. Like, just let me handle yeah. it and, and all of yeah. that. And um, I think especially in the case of Bing Bong, it's like, I understand where Joy was coming from. Mm-hmm. But just because she's like, don't worry, we'll get you to headquarters and everything will be okay. It doesn't, yeah. you know, diminish the fact that his, you know, prized possession essentially is now in the memory dump and he's most likely never going to get it again. Or yeah, something. exactly. But, um, I think... I, I love that scene too because I think yeah. there's a lot like up to that point at multiple instances you kind of see joy just kind of push sadness away and just like don't worry about it I got it just just come along like don't she's, yeah again I don't think she means to be that yeah cold or rude no. towards sadness but it kind of a little bit is but again not really from a place of malice like I don't think she is intentionally doing no that to like make sadness feel alienated or whatever she's just like I don't want Riley to be sad so Mm -hmm. I'm gonna limit what sadness can do um and you know there's things like when they go through the abstract thought um shortcut sadness is initially like no we shouldn't do that because I read about in the manual and Joy's like don't worry like Bing Bong knows what he's doing let's just follow him (laughs) and um you know things like that so like over the course of, of the movie you kind of get to see Joy learn more and kind of watch her perspective shift from like sadness is kind of useless or we don't want sadness to like do anything to like yeah sadness knows something <laughs> maybe I should start listening yeah I think it's like one of those themes that kind of starts that start like, kickstarts that joy. process yeah yeah I yeah. definitely so agree um, with you yeah I think it was it was really well done too. Like just the yeah. way you know, sadness is just it's like very simple. She's like, you want to talk about it? Like, mm-hmm. and Bing Bong's like, no. But and he has like a little cry, and then he's like, I'm okay. And it's like, 
you know, just because something sad happens doesn't mean you can't process or like you shouldn't process or feel those sad emotions. You can feel them. And then you can also, you know, maybe at the, after all that, feel joy. Work that with it. Experience yeah, the exactly. And, yeah. yeah. So um, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very creative way to, to kind of frame <laughs> that. Yeah. Um. Now let's talk about the whole dream thing because um they finally after all this all after all of this they get to the train of thought which goes to headquarters but the train of thought stops when riley goes to bed which is again visually so cool to see right because do you are you thinking when you're sleeping or are you aware of thinking when you're sleeping no you're not it's just yeah it, 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 it it's just really cool that how they showcase that that the train of thought uh, the train of thought stops when a person is asleep it's really cool again but now but now joy's like hey we have to get her awake so the train of uh, train of thought starts again um but uh well they do that the train of thought starts again after a whole mishap with a scary clown <laughs> which mm-hmm. i can relate to god bless riley i hope you're safe uh but this shocker leads the other three emotions who are at headquarters to take a super drastic step right they're like i have an idea we will run away, go back to Minnesota where we were actually happy. And this causes Honesty Island to crumble while the while joy and sadness are in the train of thought and it derails them. And it basically again shows a clear example of, of that basically they find a recall tube to go back which leads back to headquarters but joy basically thinks that riley needs to be happy and then tries to abandon sadness right there and just tries to leave but gets thrown into the dump because that recall tube just breaks <laughs> Let's talk about all of that because there's a lot to unpack here, right? Because again, great visual representation, great. I mean, it's a it's a logical train of thought for your, uh, for you to feel like, hey, I was happy back there. Why did I have to move? The best way to keep myself happy is to go back where I was happy and basically just deal with it from there. <laughs> but they uh, but i but again she's not acting like she normally would because there's an imbalance here she doesn't know how to articulate this and then there's and all of this going hey and, and all of this goes haywire because of that so let's talk about all of that let's talk about the whole recall tube incident and wow so much going on so let's talk about <laughs> it yeah I, at least with regard to the other three emotions kind of making crazy choices i love that they decide hey let's have riley go back to minnesota because that's where she was happy so that should fix her um and just like not thinking through beyond that because it's like mm-hmm. okay yeah she goes back to minnesota but like logistically like she has no place to stay she has no real money like 
no family there and like maybe she could stay with her friend but you know it's not a given she like hasn't told her friend she's coming and like she can't fly by herself probably and then mm-hmm. you know taking a bus is yeah one thing but like again no money so how's she gonna pay for all of this and like yeah all of that I just love that they're like yeah we're gonna have her go back to Minnesota and just left it at that um because internally I was like no that's a terrible idea like she's just like it is yeah because I like nothing exactly um but I again I guess you know they pay for effort like (laughs) they got her to do it or at least start that but um yeah watching joy attempt to abandon sadness is like really frustrating because you know like yes it's not gonna it's not gonna turn out the way joy wants mm, and, and also exactly. there's a reason again that all these emotions exist in everybody's you know mindscape or whatever you want to call it and we've seen with riley's parents like they have the same five emotions and not one mm-hmm. of those emotions is missing um and and so for joy to you know just abandon sadness it's like that's not going to solve your problems because again nobody needs or nobody I'm assuming could survive with just joy or like just sadness Um, you need all these different emotions in again different quantities at different times you know yeah it has to be a delicate like a balance balance. yeah Mm -hmm. for sure but also like like I said earlier the thing I never understood is like you know things like disgust like that's not really an emotion I think that many people want to experience routinely Mm -hmm. so it's like if you're gonna be mean to sadness why aren't you also taking out that same sort of frustration on the other emotions yeah which i i think sometimes are like there's a negative connotation surrounding things like fear or anger and things like that so it's like why are you only thinking about sadness and not picking on all the other emotions too not that she should but um no i, I get I what you you're saying a little bit for sadness yes you do <laughs> but, um yeah just watching joy turn against her or like attempt to abandon her was just again frustrating because it's like it oh joy this is not this is not gonna go well for you um and it doesn't because like you said you know she ends up in the memory dump after the two breaks and mm-hmm. it's um it's the memory dump so <laughs> yeah uh, it's like the one place that she spent most of the movie trying to avoid and now she's avoid. in it and it's um a little bit kind of like a you know serves you right type moment but also mostly just like why kind very of thing, easily avoided you know? yeah <laughs> yeah definitely definitely but again one of the best scenes literally uh of this movie is where she where joy actually just lets it out and she's like i just wanted her to be happy um, and she recalls how she felt when Riley was growing up and how she was happy doing different things and all those sweet memories that she has of this child of, of Riley. And then now that's all going away. But then she looks back at a memory that was happy and it's now sad. And because, and she realizes how. Riley being sad caused someone uh, caused her parents to come to her to cheer her up and make her happy. Mm-hmm. So it it's again great visual representation, and I'm overusing this term like a crazy person in this uh, episode. But I really think that they did such a good job of articulating this in this movie that it, you get to see how experiencing sadness. And letting people know that you are feeling sadness can allow them to 
talk to you about it and say, hey, it's okay. It's okay to feel sad. Let it out. Experience it. Talk about it. And things will be okay kind of thing. You know? I yeah, love I think that. More than that, too. It's, you know, like you said, you know, joy watching this memory play out where you know Mm -hmm. Riley's sad but then that sadness like you said allows her to articulate her feelings or or maybe just sends a signal which is enough for her parents to come and cheer her up Mm -hmm. um I think was so important because I think Joy has for the bulk of the movie kind of views things as like black and white like if she's happy she can't be you know fearful or she's angry she can't be you know disdainful any of that and it's like that's not really how it works like you can be happy and sad at the same time and just because you are sad at one moment does not mean that you cannot be joyful again or that you were not joyful or that Mm -hmm. um, maybe even at present you're not experiencing some degree of joy like I mean people cry tears of joy too (laughs) you know that's like it might be a dumb example but like I feel like that could be like uh, certain instances where it's like a mixture of both sadness and and happiness and um, yeah yeah it's just like it's not quite as black and white I think as the way joy views it and i think her seeing that memory kind of allows her to realize that like just because riley is sad or or she has a particular memory that she's now viewing with sadness does not mean that she's never going to feel joy again um, exactly and, uh i think that's really kind of like again another turning point for her because mm-hmm. For most of the movie, she just kind of operated under this assumption that if Riley, if she's not physically like at the console projecting happy things for Riley to think about and, you know, actively helping Riley be happy, then Riley can just never, ever be happy. And it's exactly. like, mm, I mean, yes and no. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's again, not as black and white as, as Joy was making it seem. So, yeah, finally kind of having her come to that realization that like, hey, sadness is just as relevant and just as needed as the other emotions. Yeah, um, it was it was nice because uh, I, I think agree. Sadness was unfortunately just kind of isolated a lot, mm-hmm. not really through any fault of her own. Um, and Joy was kind of I think slowly realizing that like everything she had done was technically not great. Yeah, <laughs> so it was like nice to kind of see her finally reach that point and realize like, hey, I actually need sadness, and I like I have to have her in order to like fix Riley's and I'm doing air quotes because you know yeah there's nothing yeah I know what you mean I know what you mean (laughs) for sure dude but now let's talk about what's happening with Riley because of that idea that was planted in her head right so it's she does run away she buys a bus ticket and does run away and while Mm -hmm. she's on the bus something crazy happens and again the way it's depicted is so cool right because these emotions, they can't control the console anymore. It's like, it, it, and you go from not from this child not having sadness and joy to having the sort of apathy that is like so scary, you mm-hmm. know, like not feeling anything, anything. Right. And I just that was a cool moment. Uh, uh, and I say cool in a very I just I don't know if I should call it cool but I think I know what you mean like it was very I think like visually yeah it was like interesting and and 
neat to see on screen yeah. but like in terms of a plot I think you kind of you see over Riley because you know you you kind of have seen her at all these different points yeah. in her life through flashbacks and you've seen her earlier start as like this mm-hmm. you know very upbeat kind of optimistic yeah um goofy kid and then you kind of watch her turn into something that I don't think she wanted to turn into or something yeah. that she really isn't but it's just because um, there's no balance between all these different emotions in her mind that are all kind of fighting for control and you know yeah. of course with joy and sadness being physically removed from headquarters it's like she doesn't even have access to those emotions anymore yeah so now it's just like disgust fear and anger and like that's not a great combination just by themselves yeah <laughs> so um yeah I mean I I think I I, I totally get what you're saying but mm-hmm. like just in terms of actually describing like the plot point that I've seen it. it's cool is maybe not that adjective we should be using but like visually it's cool <laughs> it is it is and let's talk about big buck sacrifice <laughs> i know that was so it was that was, that beautiful. was a really well done thing yeah. yeah but like just you know the way that again he's like so wholesome um and and he, he is been, like on this like thing of like I'm gonna take Riley to the moon because we promised and like we're gonna do it and like yeah. you know, Joy is gonna get me back into Riley's memories and all of that and it's like he and Joy find themselves in memory dump and then you know they find his wagon and they realize that they can still power it and get back to where they need to be um, and in the process you know they realize that like unfortunately with both of them and all the core memories which is a tad heavy so yeah making that ultimate sacrifice and um jumping off the wagon to give joy that final push it was so heartbreaking because again it was because yeah and his last line is just take her to the moon for me and i just can't it was i know so sad and it's yeah especially because you know like not that like joy shouldn't have been the one to reach the surface or whatever you yeah. want to call it but it's also just like bing bong was so wholesome and like he was that's all he wanted he just wanted to take riley to the moon because like that was yeah. their thing and so for him for his last line to be take her to the moon for me is like heart-wrenching but also like you know you as like sad it is, as it is to watch him sacrifice himself you know that it's not in vain because joy does make it back yeah and she makes and she makes things right she finds sadness and she hatches a plot to get back to headquarters and makes it right Right. let's talk about this scene because i love again i'm overusing this term because again it, it all this is such an abstract concept to put to a screen or visually mm-hmm. right but they did such a good job with it right because they're back in headquarters but riley's still face she's still on that bus and she can't she's apathetic she can't come back and the and she's just and they're struggling to figure this out and then joy is joy finally realizes that she needs to feel the sadness to feel something and deal with this and that's when sadness is able to take that idea out of her head and revive the console which is again so cool and she gets off the bus and goes back to her parents and then that scene where she starts talking about it it's just we need that we needed that oh my god we did yeah but also i think it was just so nice to see that after again after like a whole movie where joy was just kind of being 
a little mean to sadness and mm-hmm. and just kind of sidelining her um finally realizing how important and valid sadness is as an emotion and also just as um in, in some ways like a tour outlet that like Riley needs and um so her going back and just like accepting sadness is like role or whatever and then being like I need your help and then also like that final moment or not really final moment but like that mm-hmm. moment of her giving um sadness the console and being yeah. like do your things type yeah. thing. that was really nice to see because like clearly she's been learning and growing throughout the course of the movie yes. and it's nice to see that her immediate reaction wasn't just to be like no no, no like I can do it like I'm gonna make her happy um, yeah. and, and so that was nice to see because yeah I mean again you know sadness is a valid emotion and, and sometimes you need to like feel it and kind of go through those experiences in order it. to heal and, yes like, yeah yes. and I think I mean this is not something that maybe really necessarily needed to heal from but I think she definitely needed to like have a moment to like sit with her sadness and like process it oh and yeah like let it go sure. but um but yeah, I mean, that scene was just beautiful. And then like, yeah, yeah. Riley talking to her parents, like beginning that discussion again, yeah. so great to see because I think we've said this multiple times already in this episode, but like there should not be a stigma around mental health and yeah. nobody should feel ashamed for seeking help or trying to find resources or mm-hmm. um, any of that. And um, I don't know, I, I think the people that, you know, like go through those different issues and then seek help and talk about it or, are very or, brave like, for doing so because right, yeah. admitting and, and, that you are having these issues is the first step admitting that you need help is like huge yeah it's so admirable too like you know just to to like be able to talk about it and like the, the advocates too like people mm-hmm. have gone through it and they're like i know what you're going through and like here's my story and I'm going to share yeah. it just so that it oh, can yeah. help anybody like yes. those people always impress me so hats off to them but I mean yeah. you know all that aside I think it was so nice to see Riley finally like open up a little bit and like yeah this conversation and talk about like, how the move affected her and I love how that yeah. became a core memory but that core memory is now just bittersweet because it's right. just because yes she's sad about talking about this but she's also happy that she talked about it and that her that mm-hmm. she's talked it out again just i loved it i loved how they built that up and now we start from there to looking at how she's built up her new personality she's growing up and her mm-hmm. core memories are varied now they're not all just right. happy and 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 how they're all learning to work together um it it's just yeah it's, it's just really it's great really nice to see especially like yeah like when you see in the beginning like there's just in the mindscape it's like one console and at any one time like one emotion yeah. can operate it and then yeah. by the end it's like an expanded console and there's room for all of them yes and it's less like there's a leader and, and you know more like they're a team and they're all working yeah. together and in harmony and you know they're in balance that's and what's that. super so, important um yeah yeah that was really nice to see absolutely wow um so yeah i love the message that this sent i love the message that again like you said people advocating for mental health and people opening up about their struggles so that other people can actually open up about theirs uh, i come we should commend them for that and again this movie has been so good at starting the good kind of discourse on mental health and uh, making these resources available for 
for for not just little kids but for adults as well who without being ashamed can can basically talk to somebody and seek help if they need to so does anybody guys if you it, 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 this is just us saying if you need help please go ahead and get and seek help there's always resources available there's no it, 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 because ne- it, it's not easy dealing with stuff like this this stuff can be really heavy so it's right like, i think yeah the big thing is like never be afraid to ask for it yes because there's no shame in doing it and um yeah again to like the people who have gone through it and then you know who advocate and and share their stories like that's like you said brave it's I think very admirable and again I'm just always in all of those people so hats off to them yeah (laughs) but really to you know anybody like just going through it just trying their best like Mm -hmm. you know I I think if anything this movie proves that like it's it's you know everybody goes through things kind of like Riley does and it's okay to have those moments where yeah you're a little bit more of one thing than another thing like you know you can be feeling more sad than happy but um it doesn't just because you're feeling like a particular way doesn't mean like you're not worthy of you know help or, or whatever uh, everyone any of this made sense I'm everyone sorry, but... <laughs> is worthy of help everybody yeah and with that guys we are going to end this episode of our podcast but next week we are back to gaming because next week we are going to start talking about the tomb raider franchise which yeah. we love because lara croft is amazing right they're excited yeah <laughs> also so just to much. clarify this is the reboot franchise yes uh, starting with 2013 the, yeah uh, yeah to 2013 version uh because that's the one that we've played the most um, absolutely yes, i am very much looking forward to that but um as always if you've stuck around long enough to to make it this far thank you we we say this all the time but we really do appreciate everybody yes. who listens um we are so thankful for all you guys And yes, we'll be back next week with Tomb Raider. Thanks, guys. Tomb Raider next week. Thanks. As always, our lovely theme song is Water Lily by the 126ers. The Nerdy Podcasts podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and you can follow us online at nerdy-podcasts.tumblr.com or at nerdypodcasts.wordpress.com.